Good morning, good afternoon. It's a small business support group podcast network bank holiday special. Remember bank holiday special? They used to have a TV show, didn't they? Uh, we have to say good morning to Grant uh, and also good morning. Hello, to Mark. We're all here. Hi. Well, no, Maz is off. She's out walking, she said, I think. Did she say she's gone out for a walk? I think she said she's gone out for a walk. Yeah, it is bank holiday Monday here in the UK, isn't it? So, uh, yes, of course. You know, we'll, we'll let her off this once. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do that. It's, uh, yeah, is it, do we have, do they have bank holidays throughout the world? Or is it no. just our country? I think, uh, yeah. Not we, the same one. They're not consistent. What do they call it? What I don't do they, know. They, they don't think they do, actually. actually. Yeah, I don't think they no, do. It's, no, think it's just, just us. It's just so us. We're just, we're just doing our watch parties. So there yeah, we go. Sorry. We're all, yeah. <laughs> we're all doing that. Multi see three blokes can't multitask. <laughs> I, can, I suppose I could bring it closer. Unfortunately, because I've got the tech desk. <laughs> uh, you've got the. <laughs> I've got. I've control. got plugged in the side. Yeah, that's it. I'm just doing. Oh, yeah. that. So. I mean, what you got? Against that? I mean, what you got against? A tech desk. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that. It's very impressive. So basically, it, do you want to explain what a, te- a tech desk is? Well, a tech desk allows me to set. First of all, it's simple. Set the height of the desk to uh, normal work mode, which will be that we, we are now. <laughs> it's going down now. So that's 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 normal work level. There we go. Um, oh, all right. <laughs> we want to lower. So it's just, just just me, just lower half of me. And then this is what we class as the video series. Come on again, go away, Siri. Uh, and that's our broadcast level for video. Now I'm going to have to move the mic out. This is great for the podcast, by the way, Matt. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> the podcast has got radio, no idea what's going on. Have I, have I lost the order? No, no. I just said it's great for the podcast. For those of you that are listening and not watching, Matt's head is going up and down as his automatic yeah. desk. Am I back? Yeah, you're all right, Matt. My we can hear. Gone. That is mad. Yeah, he thinks his audio has gone, but it hasn't. That's my position. Am I back now? Matt, yeah, you yeah, never yeah. went, mate. You just kept saying, yeah. I've lost my audio, and you hadn't. No, no, I couldn't hear. That was the thing. So I'm now oh, on right. uh, That's considered... Uh, there's also a blue light behind it, and that's why I've got a blue haze. Yeah, it's a good look. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just go back down to uh, to that level. And it's got all USB ports in there, and uh, everything on the side, and it's just lovely. It's very sexy. Where'd you get that from, Matt? Costco, really? Yeah. Okay. Nice. Did you use your bounce back loan for that? No, you see, Grant said that I haven't had my loan. I haven't <laughs> had one yet. So, <laughs> uh, so that, that's, you know, that's going on the new car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I've had to spend that on the Evoke. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, so yes, yeah, so it's a nice bit of kit. It's it's really good. We, you see straight away, Maz is not here. We're talking tech straight yeah, away. Straight away. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's really useful for the, all the USB ports on the side. So it's cracking. It's really good, and I can stand up and work, which is, I think, uh, sometimes is is really useful because it just. Yeah. I think you can. It, you forget how long you sit down for. Um, yeah, they are good. We've got we've got them all in the office at uh, when if ever we go back. Um, do you, and they, do they you, are. Good. Do you have to keep your finger on it to go up and down there? You do, I'm afraid. Yeah, yours is obviously uh, much more sophisticated. 
And does it have a blue? Does it have a blue light underneath? No, it? Matt, you've no. trumped me again, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure what the blue light's for. It's I don't like, know. like listening to boys and their toys, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Grant, what we what are you talking about today? Um, I want to talk about. I've got. I want to talk about something that may be a little bit controversial and maybe a little bit insensitive, but in a broader sense, it's about um, blame culture. Fair enough. Okay, we'll come back to that in a moment. Mark, what have you got to talk about? I'm going to talk about the retails, uh, non-essential retail shops opening on 1st of June, and what clarity is given or not given at the moment for them to do that. Okay, that's excellent. I'm going to talk about the risk factor and how we uh, uh, move forward by evaluating our risk of going out and doing mm. different things. So, Grant, do you want to kick things off with your yes, with the dodgy stuff? Well, no, it's not dodgy. It's uh, it's. Well, all- no, I just I think since it's Bank Holiday Monday, I wanted to um, keep it light. Sort of, yeah, <laughs> perhaps thought I I, I thought perhaps it's uh, it's not a bad uh, day to um, to not talk um, completely about the business element of of the show and just some of the things that are frustrating me somewhat and and i'll tell you why they're frustrating me a bit um since we've come out of full lockdown um i've had um the opportunity to using social distancing rules uh have a catch-up with a couple of mates um by going for a walk um we went for a nice long walk yesterday and i and uh went for one on thursday as well with another mate um and i think when you get into that social situation that is somewhat similar to what we used to uh you do tend to find that you talk a lot more broadly than we do when we're doing all those the, you know the, the a telephone or a, or a youtube you know or a, a zoom catch-up uh, certainly i found, found that to be the case um and so as a result i've ended up talking to a few mates um a little bit more broadly about what we've been going through in terms of the um the whole lockdown and the, the where's and why falls um, and like I say, this isn't um, particularly business related, although I have got a, you know, a kind of a, a spin on it. Now, the one thing that's really been bothering me um, ever since I started paying attention to the news, which I now do a lot more than I used to, purely so I can just stay topical with the conversation on this show every day. So I do listen to a little bit of news in the morning and i mainly try and pick up on what's going on um in 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 with the covid situation and and obviously in its relation to how it affects us in in the economy etc now one of the things that bothered me right from the start when i first started hearing about it and this was back in april was the fact that since we went into lockdown um our hospitals have been much much quieter than they normally are um, to the extent that, um, and I've looked, I checked this out this morning. I did a bit of research this morning. There's a couple of articles. Um, one is the Guardian. Another one's the Telegraph. And then there's several. Um, there's one that I looked up. That's the World Economic Forum, and a few others. And this seems to be typical um, around the world that we have got in the region of. Uh, in a lot of departments within hospitals, as little as 25% of the amount of people having um, operations, emergency treatment and everything else uh, that would normally go on in the hospitals. So bringing that back to the UK, here's my my concern. 
So uh, we went into into lockdown um, in, in, and straight away people were full of fear and they didn't want to go to hospital. Um, they weren't allowed to go to the doctors, uh, but they didn't want to go to hospital for fear of catching COVID-19. Um, now, there are prior to lockdown, the reports prior to COVID-19, in fact, last year, there was loads of stuff in the news about people uh, in corridors of hospitals. The NHS is under massive stress. There's people dying in the corridors. They can't keep up with the demand. And the whole system is very close to failure. It was in the news constantly. Nurses were, were under stress and doctors were, were having all sorts of problems. Um, and this was you know, a, a pretty much a, a, a newsworthy item most weeks. Um, and yet, then when we go into lockdown, all of a sudden, all of the people that were, were in corridors dying, having life-saving operations, going in for checkups for cancer treatment, sepsis, heart attacks, all of these kind of things, all of a sudden, the majority of them have stopped. Now, what what I'm what I'm confused about and I'd love to know some more specific facts, is what has happened to all those people that were supposed to be having life-saving treatment at the NHS that was under stress? Um, and what percentage of the deaths that we've been attributed to, and we have seen a spike in deaths, but looking at the Na Office of National Statistics, we've had roughly double the deaths on a weekly basis for the last month that we would normally have had. It's obviously starting to come down now, but during the peak, um, I still might add that in the peak week, uh, 10th of April, it wasn't as many as we had in the peak week of uh, year 2000 um, when, uh, when there was more deaths um, due to the flu virus, I believe. So surely a percentage of the deaths that were being and are being attributed to the fact that we've got COVID-19, it makes common sense that a good chunk of those deaths must surely be attributed to the fact that our hospitals aren't treating them. Now, I'd like to debate this with somebody or somebody give me some information that might perhaps uh, be able to disprove that theory, which seems logical to me. Um, but it brings me back round to this. I'm not particularly a conspiracy theorist. I, I find conspiracy theories very interesting, but um, my um, usual um, uh, sort of take on them is that when you dig down a lot deeper, there's usually some more usual um, sort of reasonable reasons for why, you know, conspiracy theories come about. Now, my, and there's lots of conspiracy theories relating to the stats that are plain for everybody to see that we've got all these deaths but also we've got hospitals that are empty and that's a fact because i've looked it up on multiple different uh, platforms and news feeds um and i've seen doctors on the telly as well on the tv saying normally this department is full of people that need uh, emergency help and a and e's empty uh the cancer wards are, are not getting treated the people aren't getting treated and sepsis is another big killer. People are dying at home of heart attacks because they don't want to come into hospital for fear of catching COVID-19. Um, so all of those are kind of facts that I, th I think I can be fairly uh, reassured and qualified from multiple sources that that is happening. But what percentage of the additional deaths is due to that? And does that then make the threat of COVID-19 uh, even less. And the question I would like to ask is, has lockdown caused more deaths than COVID-19? Because I suspect 
that if the answer to that was yes, because of the culture that we live in, the blame culture that we live in, mm-hmm. that they would cover that up, the politicians, because we do live in a culture where people are so quick to attribute blame and want justice and and they're not willing to accept people's mistakes and the politicians who obviously are the ones that get the fingers pointed at them a lot are the ones that are accountable to this uh, are the ones that end up dodging round it and covering things up a lot like what's gone on in the, in the news this morning with the guy who was what's his name the one who was who was oh, running around, yeah running around the country during lockdown being completely hypocritical and now Boris is trying to you know back him up my my I read a book a couple of years ago now called black box thinking and for you entrepreneurs listening to this uh, i urge you to read it in fact anybody would find this book very very inter- interesting and it was written by a guy whose wife died um on the operating table i can't remember what operation she had but it was a fairly benign operation it wasn't one that was you know necessarily life-threatening and it came as a real shock to him obviously when she died um and the bigger shock was that when he tried to investigate uh, what went on, he found that the blame was being swapped around and covered up and and um, and and really sort of avoided because of the blame culture within the NHS. And he compares that to the way that um, the aeronautical industry manage um, their uh, their blame culture. And what happens if a pilot makes an error, they've got a period of time, I think it's a week, to own up to it, to have it investigated. And there is absolutely no repercussions for their error. And because of that, the aeronautical industry is the safest industry and and air flight is so safe because people are, are fine about owning up to their mistakes and the, the people that are on the flight deck that are, that are seeing things happen, they get, they get the opportunity to examine it. And obviously, you've got the black box as well, which is where it comes from. The black box is the thing that records everything that goes on uh, in the aeroplane in, in the event of a disaster. Um, but in other, but the, the most important thing is, thing is that there is no blame attributed as long as everybody is transparent within a period of time. Because nobody's going to crash an aeroplane on purpose, but people do make mistakes. And it came about because there was a flight that happened uh, in the 70s, I believe it was, uh, where an aeroplane crashed because it ran out of fuel because the pilot was distracted trying to figure out whether the landing gear had come down or not, which in actual fact it had. And he was circling around and the, the first officer and the other people on the flight deck could see that they were running out of fuel. But because the captain was in charge and they didn't want to override him, they were too scared to override him to point out that they were running out of fuel and the plane crashed and took out a load of houses when it when it crashed as well. Oh, and it could have been avoided if this kind of uh, hierarchical blame culture wasn't in place. And his argument was if they applied that black box thinking to the health industry, they, we would advance so much quicker because people wouldn't be trying to cover up what's going on. Now, I have got a suspicion that that is what is going on with COVID-19. I am pretty, 
well, from the evidence that I can see, and I'd love to let I'd love somebody else to be able to give me some stats because I'm by no means an expert. It appears to me that there must be a decent percentage of deaths, additional deaths going on as a result of lockdown. It just makes sense. But nobody's talking about it. And I wonder whether it's because of the blame culture. So are, they, are you saying that? I mean, it's a, I didn't realise that regarding the the uh, the, uh, the the industry, the plane industry. I didn't realise that. It's, it's a great way of actually dealing with problems, isn't it? It's, it's awesome. It, it is a fantastic way. But if it was being dealt with that way in the in the NHS, is that should we should it be interpreted that way? Is that a good or a bad thing? I, I'm not sure. Well, I mean, I if they that, are then they are saying there's, well, yeah, there is more deaths. This is what's happening. Or would you prefer it to be hidden? I'm not sure. What? Well, there, there are, there are definitely, you know, there's, there's doc, you know, the, the, the facts are the hospitals are pretty much, you know, em emptier than they've ever been. Yeah. So people aren't getting treated. Now we know that last year people were dying in the corridors. There was all sorts of, you know, uproar about it and that the nhs was falling apart it was stressed we can't cope um we that we know that's to be the case so it it's a logical conclusion to say that the people that now aren't getting treated in the hospitals must be dying at home they must well, be there's no there's no data on it is there there is i mean yeah um why not is what <laughs> yeah i know I yeah I... I know the question you're asking go on Mark. i can only i can only speak of um you know, uh, a couple of friends of ours who are nurses uh, or doctors who work in the medical field, and and they're talking about the not the second peak but the third peak. You know, this whole situation where you're going to have um, masses of cases coming through, nothing to do with coronavirus, but because people haven't been going, they've been trying to shield themselves, save the NHS, and and you've got to ask yourself the question, Grant, in this one. Um, we, we say, you know, we should get away with a blame culture. We should uh, not hold the government account or, or be pointing fingers. But look at Dominic Cummings here. Yeah, and whether you like it or not, what his decision was. The reason he's he kept his role is because he's a high-flying uh, advisor and the whole government is supported with his strategy uh, with Brexit and all the rest of it, and this current strategy, and that's the only reason he's currently in the job. So what my point is, is if you can't point the finger at people like this who have paid a lot of money to come up with advice for the government and politicians who are given the opportunity to be elected in their role, and bear in mind, I was a local councillor for a while, so I have a, a little insight how they work, you know, in as much as they're, they're all looking to cover their own ass, uh, yeah, and obviously that wouldn't be accepted on the new rules, would it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, with uh, swearing with LinkedIn, but 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 what my point is, <laughs> no, you're, you're right with ass, I think. <laughs> okay, we have to have accountability, and the fact is, because what you rightly say, Grant, is all these figures aren't truly being reflective, and we're being told that lockdown, lockdown, lockdown is the answer. Uh, people are still dying, and um, whether they're dying of COVID-19, we've said this on day one, or whether they're dying of other causes, everything is being labelled as COVID-19, and that is our problem right now. 
Now, I've just done a quick skirt because I'm thinking, right, Cummings, what was his first name? All the rest of it. I thought, oh, I'll type in the new on broadband. Uh, sorry, on the, on the tablet. And it's come up with the BBC News in the last, I don't know, where are we? The last 49 minutes. Coronavirus. Cummings Row raises fears over the future of lockdown. So is the government, is Boris, loses his grip on the lockdown in general through making these decisions? Well, it, 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 it sort of gels in what I want to say as well. Um because of the, of the of the death rate, not the not the dominant Cummings. You you sort of screwed it there because I was gonna I was gonna jump in regarding the death rate. Um, because the, the, I think as we move forward, I think we've got to you, you've got to take it amongst yourselves because obviously we've got we've got the Johnson's announcement, which will be Thursday because it's three weeks since the change of policy before. So uh, there's going to be another talk on Thursday about all this. Um, and where do we go from here? And how how do we move forward? Because obviously that's the, the this step we've just taken. Everything's sort of relaxed, and I think we've sort of got a handle on it, hopefully. Um, but you've got to work out your risk. And so I've, I've pulled up some data, and I've done some, I've actually done some research on this. Uh, so, and it's the risk of dying of coronavirus, coronavirus versus normal annual risk. And what they've worked out over the past ten weeks of uh, looking at people dying of COVID and also dying natural causes as well. Um, the average person, I'm going to read this out, so bear with me. An average person aged 40 has around one in 1,000 risk of not making it till their next birthday and an almost identical risk of not surviving a coronavirus infection. Uh, that means your risk of dying is effectively doubled from what it was if, if you weren't infected. So if you look at it that way, it's it, as as you get older, and we understand that as you get older, and the, the, there's other things underlying uh, which uh, uh, can cause issues. But if we just look at the age groups, um, the average risk of dying of coronavirus is actually really, really low. Now I know Grant's been banging on about this for months since we started this uh, this this show, um, but it's actually now looking at the data, and I've got there's a graph. I can't, unfortunately, I couldn't get the graph the graph off the uh, off the uh, report I was reading. Um, but in they're looking at mainly the, the, the male death rate. It is, you know, if you're going to make it to your next birthday, coronavirus, if you're between 40 and 50, you will make it, even if you get coronavirus, because it's, it's, it, it, the rates are just really weird. Because, And also, when you're younger, as for a, ch for, for a child, the risk of dying from coronavirus, is, as we know, is zero, and they've said that. But cancer and accidents are the biggest cause of fatalities in small children as well. I know it's a very dark subject, but you know Grant did lead this uh, this subject off this morning, so I think we'll just go with it anyway. Um, so I think hopefully on Thursday, Johnson will come out, and we're going to go into the retail in the second remark. But he'll say obviously the retail shops are opening on the first, uh, but people have just got to understand now that if you're going to go outside, if you just you know treat it normally. Keep your two meter distancing. There's a fair chance you're just going to survive this naturally, normally, anyway, and you'll get through it. Yes, you still could die by your next birthday, but that could be sort of something else, not of coronavirus. So this is and this is the first bit of data, and it is from the BBC. This is it's the first bit of data that's actually proved to me to say, you know what? If you're sensible and don't mess about, and it says something else, then uh, uh, you, you're going to survive this. And we're all going to survive it and get through it. But as you get to that older you know, over the sixties and the seventies, yes, you're going to get it, and it's what we've all been said. But there's been no, there's been no graph. I mean, the graph is here. That's that's what the graph looks like. Uh, I can't, I can't get it up on there for some reason though. 
So I think it's quite safe. <laughs> Not- I, think I think there's some other things to take into account there as well, Matt, because yeah. um, they're, they're very gen- generic. I mean, the, tran- the, the if you just take the normal chances of dying, if you're, if you're 40, making it to your next, the uh, variables within that are going to be, you know, where you live, your diet, uh, your, your job, um, you know, how healthy you are, how much exercise you do. All of these kind of things come into that. Uh, and also the, sa- the same applies to COVID-19. Have you got any under- underlying health issues? Do you have, you know, um, diabetes is, is a big, you know, thing. Have it's you got thing. any, yeah. you know, um, also your ethnicity plays a part in, in yeah. those statistics. Now, um, each one of those things taken into account, if you're a fit, healthy person, regardless of how old you are, with a strong immune system, um, it's it's even less of a threat a threat let alone if you're young if you're young as well it's virtually zero you know and and what this means is that um the fear that that has been you know put into us for me this comes back to down to what what mark was saying so in answer to mark's question mark you were saying you know somebody needs to be found accountable okay my belief is that the reason we keep having these politicians um trip up and uh, and and um, end up finding them so fallible is because of the system of blame that we're in. So in other words, when Dominic Cummings went and made that trip, at that time he made a decision, he made a choice to do that. His motives may or may not have been appropriate. He may have been a hypocritical. But because he knew that if somebody found out about it, they'd be all over him like a rash, he didn't own up to it. And it's because of the blame culture that that our politicians end up being deceitful because they know that everything gets twisted, blown out of proportion. Whereas if you'd be in the culture where you, if you make a mistake and you make a cock up, you own up to it and you get and you get, um, you know, sort of forgiven because we learn from it and then we grow. That's what happens in the aviation industry. And that would stop the need for people to have to lie as much. And that's the, the double-edged sword that politicians have to they have to work with is, you know, if they do do anything that they may regret soon after or they make a decision that is turns out to be inappropriate or the wrong decision because of the blame culture, because people can't wait to point the finger and vilify them and turn them into, you know, monsters and sack them, they, ha- they end up covering it up because of the fear of that. I think and that for me... Is an absolute. It's it's just ridiculous because let's face it, what Dominic Cummings did, you know, he went, he, he was did it for fear of his family. We can all relate to why he did it, um, and and what he did, um, and he made a choice. And who, who, you know, who who suffered as a result? But because he covered it up, that's the problem. It's not what he did; it's the fact that he covered it up. Yeah. That, that for me is the issue, because if you admit to your mistakes and this brings it back around to what I wanted to finish off with, really, in business. I've always said in my businesses that a blame culture hinders your growth. If people in your business, people that work for you are scared of letting people know that they've made a mistake and try and cover it up, it just causes so more problems. And, and in business, if you make a mistake um, and I say this to clients as well, if we make a cock up and, we, and you own up to it straight away and you do everything you can to put it right, you can make things better than when 
then if the mistake had never happened in the first place, because people can see how much you care, you made an honest mistake and you fix it. But if you make a mistake, try and cover it up and lie about it, then you just make that. That is the worst thing that can happen. The absolute worst thing can happen. Unfortunately, with politicians, this is what we see. And now we've got Boris and Dominic uh, trying to squirm the way out of this when really they should just go. Sorry, we made a mistake there. Do you know what? He shouldn't have done it, but he took a he took a decision at the time. Um, it may not have been the right decision. Um, I'm really sorry. Won't happen again. That's what should be happening because it's be. obvious to everybody that <laughs> what he did was inappropriate. And yet Boris has got to stand up there and try and because he can't. You know, he knows that it's probably more detrimental to the country to sack him. Because he's been involved well, in all the meetings, he's fundamental in everything that goes he, on. He is the government. Dominic Cummings is, is yeah. the government. Yeah. So if you stack him, everybody's screwed. But they can't, because of the blame culture, they can't just go, sorry. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's just uh, ridiculous. It is. It is. Well, we'll see what happens over the next few days. Uh, you know, obviously, the, the, as I said, this thing on uh, Thursday where Johnson's going to make his speech, and we'll, and we'll see if Johnson's going to say anything between now and then. But let's move on to the retail shops. Uh, and Excellent. on the 1st of June, um, the uh, hopefully most of the retail shops will be opening. And Mark just wants a few words about this. Go ahead, Mark. I mean, look, you know, um, the, I, I'm doing a, an interview with, uh, you know, one of the prominent uh, general managers for Chuchwood, uh, talking about this, he's written a great article within the Birmingham Chamber of Commerce to saying that there isn't enough information and guidance coming from the government as to what non-essential retail shops need to do to open their stores. And in the same way as businesses, there isn't this clarity that is needed. But what we've always said from day one is, and Grant mentioned this earlier, there is a health and safety policy out there. And, you know, these health and safety policies have been there for a long time. We've seen stuff coming through as best as we can with coronavirus, what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing. And I feel that we can learn from the shops that have been open for a while, the supermarkets, from day one when it was manic. It was like, yeah, everyone grabbing what they could to where it is now, where the shelves are stocked up, they're, they're fully uh, manageable, and they are controlling the flow of people. Uh, and I think this is what will happen on the 1st of June. And I also feel it's a great opportunity to get the economy going again, get Britain moving again. This is what it should be about. I understand completely the fear that people have about the coronavirus and about catching it, uh, but they're doing more tests. Let's, as Grant says, let's not point to what the failures are. Let's look at the successes. The government are doing more testing, more tracing. People are being advised. And you've got to use your own vigil, uh, vigil in what you should be doing yourself, wearing a mask if you think it's appropriate, or not wearing a mask. The guidelines are loose. Yes, we get that. But at the same time, for the economy to move forward, we do need to start seeing retail shops open again on the 1st. And a lot of the, I was reading up around this, a lot of um, big centres are going to be leaving to localised managers to say what they need to do and what they shouldn't do. But surely this is, and we've just come out of Mental Health Week uh, awareness, surely this is therapeutic to everyone right now who is suffering through the whole lockdown situation, being kept up in their hands, uh, in their homes, not being able to get out as often as they have been until recently. 
that the next phase forward, the moving forward, the whole getting back to normal is the shops opening again. You know, I took a photo, Matt, and I sent it across to you that our barbers, my barbers, and this is great to see this open eventually, that every one of them have taken a COVID certificate. I don't know what that means, what it looks like, but they've taken a certificate training to say they are COVID trained to cut your hair. This is this is what the norm will be. We know this now. And I feel that you know, the retail shops opening again on the 1st of June will show some sign of normality and something that we all need right now when we're looking for the future and to come out of lockdown. Yeah, I think I think you're right there. The retail therapy side of things is really important. It it just worries me how you know that the across all the shops, as you know, I haven't been out very often, but across the shops that I've been in, so that would be Tesco's, it would have been Costco's, it would have been Sainsbury's. Um, there's there's such varying levels of how they're dealing with the queuing system, how many people they're lending in. It needs, uh, I think, it, you know, I, well, no, we don't want to keep saying the government needs to lead the way because it needs to be common sense. So I think, I don't think Sainsbury's are doing a great job at all, but I, it's, Tesco's is amazing. And I've, I've said it before, Tesco's is, is astonishing how they're running it. Um, but the smaller shops, I'm worried about how the smaller shops are going to do it. You're trying uh, to get you know. Tesco to sponsor the show, Matt. I'm trying to get <laughs> Every little helps. No, but it just makes you feel safer. Um, they've got a great one-way system. It all works beautifully. You know, you know. So someone sat down and worked that out. You know. So, so the, so the, the smaller is, stores. Yeah, the point is here. There is a, a process, a system already in place. Every small business, every small retail can follow this. It is not a huge expense to go out and put a bit of tape on the floor and put a poster in the window and say, look, this how many people, like the local um, farm shop for us is saying, five people in store at any one time. You, know, you need to be looking at your social distancing when coming in. There is an element of people taking that and using it, and then there's one or two who just flout the rules, will skip that out in front of you. Well, like a bit like you're on the motorway, cut you up. You know, yeah, we know it's going to happen. Yeah, and it is down to, dare I say, it, a blame culture, but it is a down to all of us saying, no, it's not right. Let's keep within the rules and we'll all be safe. Well, you know what they say about the British in the rest of the world, especially America, that uh, we do like a good queue. You know, we do like queuing. And I think <laughs> over, the, over the summer period and into the, into the autumn, I think we're going to love it because there's going to be loads of queues outside them shops, and I just I think that I think British people are just awesome at queuing. Just the, I think they're great because you go I, anywhere else in the world and people are cutting in, but here in this country we make a good queue. That, so that's that is um, that's demonstrated good. today, Matt. When I went to uh, the park this morning, Sears Retail <laughs> Park B yes. and Q is now living up to its name. Oh, a queue. it's all around the car park, all across the car park. <laughs> And, yeah. and, and everybody's loving it. They're on the phones. They're in the queue. Thank God it's for me. And you're doing your DIY. I love it. And that's what it should be about. That sense right. of being is sending a message that, you know, we are getting back to normality of some shape or form. We all know it's not going to be exactly how it used to be. It, it's not going to be like this for a long time. 
The NHS, going back onto that rant, has said, uh, you know, operations, all of the backlog, it's going to take years to catch up on this. So, you know, it just makes you think twice about all of it. But we have to start moving forward and not looking backwards. No, that is. And uh, that's, that is our time done for today. So thank you very much, gentlemen. Just a few bits and pieces we just want to talk about. We have, uh, uh, as we mentioned on Friday, we're going to move the show forward. Um, uh, I, I can, I'll talk about this just briefly. Uh, we had contact with uh, LinkedIn over the weekend who dropped me an email. And hopefully, fingers crossed, that this show will be actually forming part of the new LinkedIn Live broadcast that they're going to do. Um, we've, uh, we have to dress up and wear shirts and ties and stuff and everything like that so the <laughs> so that could be happening in the future over the next few weeks uh we're also going to be uh, looking for sponsors for the show on a monthly basis so uh i'm going to put my email up anybody interested in sponsoring the show on a monthly basis let me know um uh and that will include obviously your logo everywhere across the show across multiple platforms we've also got podcasts running as well which is going very well itunes and spotify will be starting this week i've been told so uh it's all going on it's all very exciting and uh, i must say thanks everybody to who joins us and watches every single day uh we yeah. get a, a great audience a few hundred every day and uh for a little show which just talks about a bit of business and then a little bit of nonsense. It's uh, I'm quite proud of it. So, drop me an email if you're thinking about uh, if you're looking for any sponsorship on our show uh, or any other questions you need to ask us. Mark, thank you very much. Grant, thank you very much. It's Bank Holiday weekend, everybody. Go and enjoy the sunshine, and we'll see you tomorrow. See you then. Bye bye. Cheers, guys. <laughs>